Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the Brooklyn Bunker. Folks, I am very excited about this week of shows lined up with powerhouse women talking about some of the issues that are affecting us this month for the finale as we get through Women's History Month. It's not lost on me at all, and it shouldn't be lost on any of you, that during the month of Women's History, a time for us to celebrate um, the matriarchs of this country, right, Um, of people who have given so much and done so much to advance uh, women's rights uh, and voice in this country, that during this time, there is a full-on assault by Republicans. And I've said this before, that Republicans are using the states of Florida and Texas to test some of their most egregious and draconian laws against women and people with uteruses. You know, so today, on today's show, I I welcome back our friend, uh, Danielle Campamore, who is a reporter with Today.com. And Danielle uh, has been doing Woke AF through so many years uh, because she is one of the few abortion rights activists that I know that does everything within her power, one, to share her own story um, of abortion, but also to lift up the stories of so many women and to make it clear for us in no uncertain terms what women, particularly poor women and women of color, are going to be up against in this country. That even as we are watching these terrible laws uh, come into effect in Texas with the vigilante law, essentially providing anyone, your neighbor, your Uber driver, the fucking person at, at, at the checkout counter with the ability to sue you, right? For $10,000, if in fact they think that you are going out to go and get an abortion. 
Imagine being sued by multiple people at one time. Sounds a little bit like bankruptcy. It also sounds like frivolousness as it pertains to our criminal justice system, right? Nonetheless, these laws that are going into effect highlight one very important and clear thing is that without the ability to control our own bodies, right? That means that we then don't control our work, right? Our ability to work. That means then, and this is what I have said before, and and plenty of people love to say, oh, Danielle, you know, that sounds conspiratorial, but like, let's be clear. If women are forced out of the workplace because now they're having, uh, being forced into forced birth, uh, forced pregnancy, um, meaning that they then can't hold down jobs. And we already saw what happened with the pandemic in 2020 and remote learning and how millions of women were forced out of the workplace because we don't actually care about children outside of the uterus in this country. We could give a fuck. And so what happens then All of these women are forced out of the workforce. What? Providing a clear pathway once again to white cis uh, hetero men to be able to continue their domination, right? Like what is the goal here? Is it the fear, which I've heard before, of the demographic shift? So white men in power believe that if they can force white women into forced birth, then what? Their demographics will continue to rise? Like what is the fucking end game here? And this is the thing that I constantly ask. And, you know, and I will ask Danielle, I think that cruelty is just the point. What is the end game? I think it's power, right? The ability to wield power over a population of people, which it makes up more than half of this fucking country. But if you can control a women's reproductive cycles, right, then you can control pretty much any aspect of her life, right? Which then leaves men incomplete and total power. And the thing that frustrates me, and I've said this before, is that we have allowed Republicans to run away with the label of the party of family values when they don't care about your family. Because if they did, then you would have paid family leave. That our paid family leave wouldn't be abysmal in comparison to other industrialized nations. Do you know that there are countries that give women an entire year off paid? You mean that they don't have to cobble together their vacation time and disability time and then whatever it is, the benevolence uh, of their employer to give them six weeks or eight weeks? I have a younger cousin who currently works at a daycare um, for, for babies as young, as young folks, as a month old. And she has talked to me about how heartbreaking it is for these new mothers, these new parents to drop off their four week old child in daycare, right? To a stranger so that they could go in and go to work to afford daycare because they know, particularly as women, that if they leave the workforce, right, for a year in order to be able to tend to this new life, that Republicans say is so fucking important, then they're going to lose footing in their jobs. Then they're going to have to explain the gap on their resume. 
And while, of course, you would say, oh, wonderful, how amazing, you're out there like doing one of the most important jobs, which is creating a whole human, right? And making sure that they are healthy and well and learning and productive and all of these things that you would be rewarded for that. But we don't do that in this country. We hold it against you, right? It's why we had to put laws in place so that women who were pregnant wouldn't be fired from the workplace, so that employers wouldn't have to provide maternity leave or paternity leave. We've always had to lobby and fight for these things. And so you would think that in a country that doesn't provide any care for children, that abortion would be like a no-brainer. But no, we want to control every single aspect. And so in this conversation with Danielle, you know, we will talk about what women in places like Texas are facing, how the bordering states that still do provide abortion are being overrun with women and people coming in from Texas seeking care that they can no longer get. That, you know, we are seeing laws in places like Florida that don't even have carve-outs anymore for abortion in the event that the pregnancy is threatening the life of the mother or that this pregnancy is a product of incest, human trafficking, or rape. Like what kind of world are we living in right now? What kind of country? How can we say that we are an industrialized democratic nation when women in this country, particularly if you are black and brown, right, are free-ish? If you don't have the ability to decide when, how, and if you start a family, how are you free? You know, and I had somebody recently on, uh, on TikTok want to, uh, pop off and say, uh, well, if women weren't using abortion as birth control, people should keep their legs closed. And I'm like, are you fucking stupid? Because first of all, abortion is at an all time low, right? And has been at an all time low. Right. Just for by virtue of abortion being available doesn't mean it's being used like fucking Tic Tacs. Right. It is for a lot of people a really difficult decision to make. So they're not giving it and doing it willy nilly as if the procedure itself isn't like difficult. And I'm not saying that you need to have a sob story. Right. Because that is the, the point, too with telling abortion stories, right? With being very upfront and honest that there are people that are like, yeah, no, I don't regret it. I wouldn't have the job that I have. I wouldn't have the life that I had. I was not ready, right? And like, let that just be what it is. We shouldn't have to say things like, oh, abortion needs to be, you know, healthy, safe, and rare, right? It needs to be whenever you need it, however you need it. But the thing is, is that we don't trust We don't trust women in this country. We don't trust them to make decisions. And this goes back to like our roots in misogyny and patriarchy, which are still ever present. If you think about this, if America had ever passed the Equal Rights Act, I remember the ERA from 30 fucking years ago. Oh, we don't need that was what Republicans love to say. And some Democrats, oh, women are already equal. Well, really? 
Are you sure? Because had we done that, then no decision that was going to be made right by Mitch McConnell and a handful of white evangelical Christians would have any effect on us because it would be codified law. But that's not the case. Women are unsafe in this country. And what always kills me is that we love to go abroad, wag our fingers at the Chinas of the world, at the Saudis and the, and the Irans and the Iraqs. And we love to talk about how they are so behind the times, not letting women drive and not letting women go to school. And I'm like, you don't let women decide their own fucking health care. Right? We don't pay women the same as men, but yet we have a day on the calendar every single, every single year in the month of March to talk about equal pay, but actually not fucking do anything about it. So what we offer in this country is a facade of there being women's rights, but there really isn't. Just think about this. The first lady of the United States does a lot of work, right? Entertaining, organizing, running different events, community engagement, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't get paid. Doesn't get paid for four or eight years. Because that is just what? Soft skills. We don't care about what you are doing inside of the home. So of course, right? If the first lady of the United States doesn't get a check cut by the American people because you're just there as an ornament. That's what we think about women in this country. And so, you know, I always get outdone by the fact that we still chant and march for the same things. Each generation of women marches and chants the same thing that their mothers, their grandmothers, their aunts all did. And so here we are at a point where we are setting up our young girls, right? In a country that does not see them as equal, that does not see them as powerful, that sees them as a threat to themselves. So much so that we need to throw you in jail for the decisions that you make about your own life and your own body. This country is incredibly wild and scary and dark. And I don't even know what people are going to teach their young girls, right? Like, oh, you can be anything that you want to be. Can you? Right? Can you really? Is that a true statement? Because there are glass ceilings and glass glass cliffs all around. For the first time in 50 years, Girls that are going to be born in this country will not have bodily autonomy. We thought that that was behind us. It is now our present day reality where we are going to see women in this country, what, rushing the border to Mexico so that they can get abortions there? America is in shambles. And coming up next is my conversation with our friend, uh, reporter for today.com. If you're not following Danielle Campamore, you absolutely should follow her on Twitter, follow her writing at the Today Show. Um, She is covering some of the most important topics and issues of our time. That conversation comes to you now.
Folks, you know that I am always so happy when our friend Danielle Campamore, who is a reporter with the Today Show, comes to Woke AF and gives us you know, the mind-blowing landscape on where we are in this country as it pertains to reproductive rights, um, as it pertains to abortion, uh, because what we are seeing, Danielle, and, uh, you know, we will get into is an assault on abortion, on reproductive care, on people with uteruses in a way that in all honesty, I don't know, when was the last time you have seen such an aggressive push in so many states at one time on rolling back abortion care? Well, one, thank you so much for having me. I always love to come and talk to you about this topic specifically. I mean, really, this has been a decades-long push, and I think it's been more covert and less obvious and unapologetic. Uh, you know, we saw Republicans in years prior ease off of uh, – some of the, the, you know, in cases of rape or incest, uh, you know, that was kind of something they conceded. Mm -hmm. They really went towards trying to limit the, the rules and laws of abortion care um, centers, and they would try and limit the ability of abortion providers. Uh, they slowly and surely did whittle down some of the gestational age requirements, um, you know, and would work really hard to establish waiting time. So the assault is nothing new, but mm -hmm. what has really given it breath in life is the makeup of the Supreme Court now, this case in Mississippi, which is poised to completely gut and annihilate Roe um, and will allow subsequent states outside of Mississippi to ban abortion past 15 weeks and, and perhaps earlier. And we're seeing that happen in Texas. Everyone's really focused on SCOTUS right now. But in Texas, for more than six months, it has been illegal to access abortion care after six weeks. There is an embryo at six weeks. There's not a heartbeat at six weeks. And so it really has forced people to leave the state. Now medication abortion is the most popular uh, way in which people are accessing abortion care. They're getting pills online. They're getting pills from friends. And so it's it's nothing new, but it's definitely... Uh, less apologetic by those who want to um, gut access to abortion care. They are abandoning any sort of um, sidestep in the case of rape or incest. There is a law uh, coming out of a conservative state where it wouldn't allow, even in the case of a woman's life being on the line, um, and it would designate abortion care as homicide. So they're going back to a time where they didn't feel the need to concede. Um, and it's because of the makeup of the Supreme Court. I mean, you know, Danielle, like, just to think about the fact that the life of a person giving birth is was seen as a concession, right? Making carve-outs for incest, um, rape, and I believe that in Florida, the new legislation that was passed was it didn't even matter if you were trafficked, right? And so I, I, I'm thinking, I, I want to, other than scream, I want to understand. And how is it that we are in 2022 that we are going, not even going backwards. I mean, we're going to a place that I don't know if we've ever been. 
what what do you think that we are missing as Democrats in our messaging, in our conversation around abortion? I mean, look, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we had the Biden administration's first state of the union. And guess what? Abortion wasn't mentioned. Not not the word, not reproductive care, nothing. Right. And so what what do you feel that Democrats are getting wrong in this moment? Um about how we move forward. Well, I mean, historically, Republicans have never been afraid to say the word abortion and Democrats have always tried to sidestep it and use euphemisms as, instead of, you know, women's reproductive health care, reproductive health care or any of those euphemisms that they use. And the Biden administration certainly picked up on that. On the campaign trail, he wasn't that afraid to say the word abortion. But since coming into office, he hasn't actually said the word out loud. Uh, they did meet recently with abortion care advocates in the White House virtually. Uh, many of those advocates were part of We Testify. They're a group of abortion storytellers that work to really center people who have abortions. And one advocate did press this administration to say the word because you cannot fight for something if you can't say exactly what that thing is. Right. And after that meeting, the administration did release an announcement the first time in his time in office where it wrote the word out twice. Abortion appeared twice. So advocates are really pushing this administration to before anything else, you have to say the word out loud. You have to not be so apologetic and stigma enforcing when you're trying to fight for the very people who put you into office. And so that has to change more than anything. Because again, this is nothing new from the Republican Party. Uh, we can all recall the time when Todd Aiken, I believe his name was, said that yes. you know, in terms of a legitimate rape, a woman yep. was pregnant. I mean, they this is this has been their messaging from jump. It's the Democrats who need to be bold and unapologetic and stand beside and center the people that have abortions if they hope to combat these legislations, which many people don't believe they can do at this point, given the Supreme Court makeup. I mean, you know, when you say the the two words bold and unapologetic are not what I associate with the current makeup of the Democratic Party. I'm just going to be honest. And I am not certain that people understand the urgency. And I say this all the friggin' time, the urgency of the moment that we're in. You know, when we saw Texas a couple of months ago, and you would come on the show, we saw Texas and we said, oh my God, They've gotten so savvy because it's really hard to take this case, to take the legislation to court because you need it to have um, ha have been used. Right. And so they have gotten savvier in the way that they write the laws, that the that the threat of its existence is enough without actually having any vigilantes using the ten thousand dollar bounty. Right. And so what. What navigations do we need to understand if we're if we're at a place as Democrats and can't even utter the word abortion, then how are we to your point? How are we to create strategies to combat this if we don't talk about it? Right. Well, I think abortion, centering abortion storytellers and people who've had abortions is paramount. And we saw that play out in the House uh, where we had women of color, predominantly black women and other women of color. Congress people share their abortion stories and say, I've had abortions and I'm a lawmaker and this is why it matters. But what's really concerning and ask any abortion advocate and they'll tell you that they are the canary in the coal mine. 
how uh, certain politicians attack access to abortion care is how they will go along to attack voting rights, LGBTQ yep. rights. And mm-hmm. we're seeing that play out right now. There are similar laws like the one enacted in Texas that are now being enacted against trans students, against teachers that are going to teach LGBTQ history. There's laws that are targeting uh, um, librarians and and parents can can call on on elected officials and have a librarian removed and potentially fined and jailed if they're offering certain books to their kids, you know? And so this is, I think that so many advocates have been saying for so long, if you can't care about this, if you can't fight for uh, bodily sovereignty and autonomy and people's access to abortion care to decide when, if, when, if, and how they start their own families, you can't fight for voting rights. You can't fight for LGBTQ rights. You can't protect trans children. You can't protect access to information. Uh, all those things are going to go by the wayside as well. And that, I think, is what is the scariest part of all of this, is that this will be a domino effect, not just in people's ability to access abortion care, but for kids to be able to be themselves in school, to have access to information for people to vote. And now we're really talking about democracy entirely and the makeup of this this country. You know, one of the things that I want to ask you to, um, and, and this came up, I, I don't, I, I feel like it came up in like a Twitter conversation that I was having, but you know, someone had said that they did not believe that, no, that they believed that part of the push by conservatives for abortion was to force white women into pregnancy because of the demographic shift and the fact that this country is going to be majority, quote unquote, minority in the next two decades. Right. And so is it is is there some or have you heard of some kind of, you know, master plan that is couched in white supremacy, as many things are, that is about forcing white women. Right. To 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 populate this country to preserve whiteness. Is that a crazy theory or have you have you heard it before? It's definitely something that I've heard before and and many abortion advocates, particularly black and brown people, but white LGBTQ young people will tell you the same. Uh, Really, if you just look at the data, that is also kind of born out of fact, the majority of people who um, are most impacted by anti-abortion laws are black and, and brown people, young people. Uh, they will be forced to give birth while white affluent women will still be mm-hmm. capable of accessing that care. This is also born into kind of this um, GOP Republican idea that if you ban abortion, you eliminate it entirely. And we're right. seeing out of Texas that that is not the case at all. While reports show that, yes, abortions in Texas have gone down, abortions in neighboring states have gone up Mm -hmm. and it's people are just leaving the people who can afford to leave again mostly white women you know people are also able to obtain medication abortion now and so it's it's really a twofold of yes they know that you know uh black brown poor people will be most affected will be pushed into motherhood while those of affluent means means and predominantly white will be able to access that care but also they just think that this is that it works, that abortion bans work. And studies show that they don't work. They just cause additional harm. They just harm families and communities. And, and so, um, and that's, again, that's what we're seeing happening now. You know, it's not lost on me that, you know, this is women's history month, right? This is, this is a month to celebrate and put, 
you know, women uh, upfront, right? And 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 really honor how far we have come, right? How far we've traversed from, you know, literally being a, a, a prop of patriarchy into being our very own people. And there is this constant unrelenting effort by conservatives to make it so that women have no autonomy, that people with uteruses have no autonomy over their lives, right? What, I mean, when you, you've been doing this work for so long, Danielle, when you think about like the ideology that these people are subscribing to, what, what do you think is driving them? Is it that we, is, do we not understand what the driving force is so that then we don't understand how to stop it? No, I think we do understand. And I think we understand because they'll, uh, a lot of GOP politicians will happily tell you their views are based in a white, you know, Christian faith and ideology that has a a very specific makeup of a family uh, that makeup is heteronormative in which a man leaves the house and the woman doesn't and it's really faith-based for many people um and the GOP politicians they run on that and we're seeing that more and more as um more of the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the party are now coming to the forefront r- winning primary elections there's a man running for office in Michigan just the other day, a now viral vid- video where he's speaking about um, taking back the country. He wants to take back the election and hand it to Donald Trump. And he also says that he tells his three daughters that if rape is inevitable, you might as well just lay down and enjoy it. Those were his- No, 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 yes. no. Yes, I will send, send you the video. Um, his daughter actually in 2020 went viral where she tweeted out, please don't vote for my father. Like, tell everyone, please don't vote for him. Well, he won the primary. He's poised to win that district in Michigan. And so, and he runs on a, uh, he'll tell you uh, it's faith-based. It's, he doesn't believe in feminism. He, it's, it's not difficult to know what we're up against because it's proudly marketed. And that is a platform that many people in the Republican party are running on now. And so it's really just whether or not those in opposition have the stomach to confront those ideologies in clear ways that people can understand, to call them out when they happen in clear language, and and um, again, be bold and, and unapologetic in those efforts um, instead of just treating them as fringe or treating them as um, a, a tiny subset of a Republican party that is now led by Donald Trump. Um, we can't overlook these issues anymore because um, we've seen what happens when we overlook anti-abortion laws. Uh, we find ourselves in 2022 um, about to lose Roe. You know, Danielle, what, it is, it is, is it complacency that got us here? Is it the belief that, you know, we, the bravado of the assumption that because our mothers and grandmothers uh, and, and maybe a, a, f- a few men you know, activated in the, in the mid 1970s that we just thought like the worst was behind us. Like what did, is there something that we did wrong? Right. Like, like, did we, did we miss something here? I think it, it, it depends on who is we, I think at the local level, at the grassroots level, 
black and brown women specifically have been doing this work, fighting this fight. They've made abortion care accessible to people who it wouldn't be accessible to even 10, 20 years ago. And so I think, no, like the abortion storytellers, advocates, fundraisers, people who work on local at local clinics, the abortion providers who speak out to the, you know, for fear of their lives and the lives of their families, no. But those in positions of power, a lot of white people, um, those with means um, who will only really speak on the state of abortion every four years during a high profile election. Yes, I think there was definitely something taken for granted. I think there was this knowledge that I can just talk about this every four years um, and people will come out and vote for me and then we can just let it go back to the way it was. So this kind of silence and um, uh, women's reproductive health speak. And so I think, uh, yes, our elected leaders, um, if you ask a lot of the people on the ground, they will tell you that they have overlooked and failed and, and took uh, abortion rights for granted, but certainly not the advocates that I speak to, certainly not those that are on the ground working every day. Um, they could have told you we would have been here 20 years ago and did. A lot of people just didn't listen. Where do you see us in eight months as we make the trek to midterms? Where where do you see this issue it positioned in how we hold on? And and again, this is supposed this is supposedly what winning looks like, Danielle. We have you know outside of the Supreme Court, we have all the branches of government, and this is what winning looks like. It doesn't feel like winning to me. So, what do you think for for the abortion issue for these attacks, how is it positioned over the next eight months? Well, I think the only way to kind of look at how it might be is to look at how it has been and the reporting coming out now. I think that we're going to see more people have to leave the state and these grassroots organizations are going to need additional funding in order for them to better facilitate those people leaving their homes in order to obtain care. We'll see some states shore up abortion rights and really become abortion safe havens, while others will follow suit with Mississippi, Texas, Florida, and abortion won't be accessible for people in those states. I think we'll also see a change in the GOP political um, desire to uh, curtail abortion rights by going after medication abortion now. Uh, that really has changed the game. Um, you're already seeing the idea that um, illegal abortion is automatically unsafe, no longer true. What makes it unsafe will be incarceration for predominantly black mm, people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But medication abortion has changed the game and it's entirely safe. And we've seen in you know studies that most people now are seeking those services. So I think uh, once, um, as, as experts believe, Roe falls um, and the states with that domino effects um, and their their citizens' ability to access abortion care, there will be a huge shift and focus on medication abortion. Danielle, I am really worried. You know, I just, I really don't know what this country is going to look like in the next year, in the next two years. You know, when when you're thinking and you've been doing this work and advocating and writing and speaking out for so long, is there a country or a place who at one time had all of these rights and access 
in the, you know, in, and then loses them, gain them back. Like, I mean, what, what, what do you see as the trajectory of where America is going and what we're going to look like for women and, 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 and queer people? Like what, what, what do you, what do you see? Well, I think that's what another thing that for so many people is disheartening is we're also seeing so many other countries, Latin American countries specifically, shore up abortion rights now. And I, I read a piece um, actually today where one advocate, advocate from one of those countries told the American reporter that you all left the streets and we never did. And mm. that's why... Americans are seeing uh, access to reproductive care and abortion care limiting while other um, countries who didn't have it are actually obtaining it now. And so, um, you know, my global history is definitely not the best. I wouldn't say I'm a, a global historian by any means. I fail to recall or think of any country that had these rights, lost them and got them back. But I do think that for those that are worried, there is hope in what other countries are doing, what other advocates and activists and um, politicians in favor of abortion care, LGBTQ plus rights, uh, voting rights have been able to do. And then what really, while it can be very difficult to report on this right now, it also brings me so much hope because there mm -hmm. are so many people mm -hmm. who are watching a person's ch children so that she could go obtain a medication abortion. They're going and offering rides, letting people stay in their homes. They're giving as much money as they can at a time when there's an ongoing pandemic. Like There's so many stories of people helping and of these organizations that have been doing the work expanding. And, and so I think um, looking at the grassroots level and then what other people are doing across the world um, can bring hope in, in what is a, a very difficult situation. And y'all, I, you know, as always, I, I can't thank you enough for your work, for your writing, for your voice. Um, you know, just this issue, as many of them are now about justice and equity, are heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to do this work. It's exhausting to do this work day in and day out, particularly at a time when the light seems to be escaping us, right? And we're just marching into darkness. So I just, I, you know, I know that it's hard. And I just want to thank you if no one else thanked you today yet um, and, and appreciate you uh, to continue the fight. And, and please do continue to take care of yourself, your family, um, as these times are going to get continually tougher. Thank you, dear friend. You as well. I'm so thankful for you and the work that you do and for letting me to come back here and talk to one of my favorite people. Anytime. Anytime. Thank you. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.
Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 